Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Our objective is to come alongside of these young ladies, sort of like what Elizabeth did to Mary. So as a church family, we all understand what Elizabeth did to Mary. Here's this 13, maybe 14-year-old little girl in Hebrew times, maybe 16, and she was really scared. And her pregnancy to us is glory because of that baby you and I are here saved. But it did not take away from a little girl that was really scared. She was so frightened. And the Bible says that early the next morning, as soon as she heard, she ran, she ran to the home of a seasoned woman. She ran to the arms of a mature Christian woman that would give her love and that would give her understanding. Now the pregnancies are very different from the young ladies that I deal with today, but the fear and the sentiment is the same. She ran to Elizabeth and you know what Elizabeth did church as soon as she saw her? She did not condemn her. She did not ridicule her. She did not tell her, really? I can't believe you. You're 17, you're 16, and you're pregnant. What are you thinking? What are the people going to say about your parents? Where's your mind? You haven't finished school. What are you doing? The Bible doesn't say that Elizabeth said that at all. As soon as Elizabeth saw her, Oh, she rejoiced and she said, oh, blessed are you. How are you? How are you feeling? I just wonder what the conversation entailed after the fact. She blessed her as soon as she saw her. But you know what she blessed? She blessed the fruit of her womb. The Bible says that as soon as she heard Mary's voice, something inside of her leaped. Because you see, Elizabeth was also waiting for her baby. A seasoned woman that gave love, encouragement in a time of crisis. That's the picture of the church at the royal home. Yes, sir. That's the picture of Jesus in this church. You see, the enemy is going to condemn them. The enemy is going to pillage and plunder and ridicule them. And there are no openings in hell and we need not apply. We come against a destruction in their lives. We do not condone teenage pregnancy and we do not applaud it. But there are reasons when things happen and not always church was it consensual. Not always was it consensual. You come and visit me and you interview some of my girls. But you know they've taken the position to say, but I'm going to keep my baby. And that's huge. That's huge. Yes, ma'am. That is huge. So I say thank you. I say thank you to you, to your pastor for this opportunity. We just talked about it yesterday. And I'm very passionate. Uh, I'm a teacher by trade. And I get in front of the pastors and I tell them, invite me. It's not the me because there's thousands of preachers out there in this church, tons of preachers better than me. It's not the me, it's the him. But if we are not the voice, as he said, of the unborn child, then what are we doing? You see, my feet, those feet, they will grow very weary and tired. Pastor's feet, they're going to grow weary and tired. He said that this church is going to celebrate 75 years. The pastors that were here 75 years, they're not here today. He is. 
75 years from today, if the Lord should tarry, he won't be here, someone else will, because our feet grow very tired and weary. But if we do not stand in the gap and allow those feet of that unborn child to make it to this side of eternity, who will preach the gospel to your children's children? I wonder. But as we stand in reverence to God's word, I'd like us just to read two verses in scripture. And they're very famous, amen? They're very famous, but this is the word that the Lord gave me when I accepted the position at Falcon Children's Home. He was very specific. I've preached this message since I took the position May of last year multiple times. And every time I enter a new church to introduce our program, the Lord says, this is the one. Now as Preachers of the gospel, you always want something very fresh and clean so people don't say, oh, you're preaching that one again. But this speaks to the very core of God's heart on what he's saying about the royal home. So I pray that this will minister to you as it ministers to me. I'm a crier by nature and I cry and I do not make any apologies because if Jesus wept, hallelujah, then so can I, glory. In the book of Luke, we're going to read chapter 22, and we're going to read two verses, 31 and 32. We're going to read verses 31 and 32. And if you don't have your Bible, I'm going to read it for you. And it says like this, Simon, Simon, hallelujah, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Now, I need you to really, really look at that part of scripture because here it's Jesus speaking to one person as an individual, but he's using the plural sense of the verb. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I, this is Jesus speaking, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when, not if, and when you have turned back, you, Simon, will strengthen your brothers. Father, we just pray this morning, Lord, your word's already blessed, Lord God, from the beginning, Lord, to the end. We just pray, Father God, that you soften our hearts and our minds, Lord God, and that what we say, Lord, as a family, Father God, Lord, may leave the, these halls and these walls into a dying world, Lord God, that we may tell them, Lord God, that you love them. Thank you for this church and just their heart, Lord God, in your presence. Since I walked in, I felt you, Lord, and I know you're here. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Amen. With me today travels the most handsome 17-year-old that you will ever meet, praise the Lord, and that is my son, Charlie. Charlie, will you stand just so the church can meet you? Charlie is my... Charlie is my traveling companion because I travel quite a bit. Thank you, son. And he travels with me and he drives and, and he's on the phone with me. And I'm just blessed, hallelujah, to have my Charlie with me. He's a senior in high school. I have a 20-year-old daughter in her second year at Liberty University. And I am married, praise God, to an amazing man of God who has just retired from the United States Army after 21 years. Thank you, Jesus. And we're stationed in Fort Detrick, Maryland. Hallelujah. 
So now that you know a little bit about me, what is my passion in this scripture? In verse 31, and keep your Bibles open, in verse 31, here the Lord is referring to Peter in the plural sense of the word. I am a teacher by trade. After that, I became a principal, and then I went on to be the director of the Life Campus, which is in Falcon, what I'm doing now. But when I look at scripture, I study the verb, and I see them very differently. And I like to scrutinize scripture both in the Latin and in the Greek and the original form so that I can really get the meat out of what the Lord is trying to tell me. The plural sense of the verb, he says, sift all of you. The Lord here is not only indicating Peter in the then and the disciples that were around, but this morning he's including you and me in that sifting. The Lord is telling us this morning that as believers, while he loves us, hallelujah, and we love him, praise the Lord, the attacks of the enemy are real and the desire to sift us is also real. Here you don't have a lot of farmland, at least in this area, hallelujah, but in Falcon, North Carolina, it's all farmland. And you see the huge John Deere's and all the machinery of the farmers as they're doing their thing with the tobacco and the cotton, and I noticed that in the process of separating the wheat from the shaft in, in the here and now, it's an easy one because the John Deere will do it. But I'm asking myself, Lord, in biblical times, you're using this to illustrate what? Well, in biblical times, separating the shaft from the wheat was a very, very violent approach. It was very violent. And why was it so violent? Because the shafts were beaten. Literally, they were beaten. They were bent. They were shaken for an extensive period of time before it was separated. They were sifted. In biblical times, the grain was agitated. It was shaken until it was dislodged completely from the original. Do you know that in the United States of America, 926,000 abortions occurred in the United States in 2014? 926 violent shakes. They were bent and they were dislodged forever from their mother. In your state, in the state of Maryland, 28,140 abortions. With violence and with agitation, the enemy has come in against the female and he has shaken her, he has bent her, he has sifted, he has separated that mother from her unborn child. But I came in and spoke to your pastor's wife and your praise and worship leader. And this was to me a praise. 18% decline in abortions in the state of Maryland, to God be the glory, from 2011 to 2014. What many would say, a liberal state, the Lord is moving, hallelujah. When pastor said it's a little church, it's all the way back here, you can't see it, it's hidden. Well, the only thing that the Lord brought to my memory was... Bethlehem. Oh, little, little town of Bethlehem. What good would come out of Bethlehem? It was so small, it was hidden. The great I am came. Don't discount your location, who you are and how small you are. God will use you, hallelujah, to be, to be the beacon in this state against, hallelujah, abortion and for the good of the gospel. Don't discount how many you are here, hallelujah. 
This violence and this fury of shaking innocent babies has led me to Royal Home. Royal Home Ministries has heard the cry of the Master because if we think that Jesus sits idly by and doesn't cry and doesn't feel the pain, hallelujah, and it's ironic, the enemy takes these women, hallelujah, to do and to separate because after all, it will disappear. It is no more right? Doesn't that what the enemy says? But then he brings a spirit of condemnation and forevermore they're condemned, hallelujah. And he tells them, how could you do that? Oh, I can't believe you. There's no forgiveness, but you took me there. No, I did not. Now you're on your own because that's his strategy. I love what pastor said about not glorifying the enemy. And that was on my notes because today I don't come to glorify the enemy. Hallelujah. He is a defeated foe in the name of Jesus. But there's a strategic plan that you and I as the church need to understand because his demise and his destruction is very, very real. That's why Peter in first Peter five, eight said, be alert and be of sober mind because why because your enemy here he personificates and makes them yours he makes them mine we have an enemy church we do your enemy the devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour you know i went and i googled the word devour in the greek and it means to eat all the way down leaving no remnants left behind to inhale without hope of recovery ever to destroy to devour without hopes of ever recovering once a woman goes into an abortion clinic and the procedure is done there are no hopes for recovery you do not go back and undo the devour has been done in order for me to understand that the lord took me to national geographics and I went and I saw a video of how the lion and the lioness strategically devour in order to understand what Peter meant, hallelujah. And do you know that as the lion and the lioness go, they pin their prey and they pinned an antelope. And as the antelope lay there, the lion and the lioness began to eat her from the inside out. Do you know that they pinned her on the side, right by the rib cage, and they began to eat her from the inside out? The irony is that the antelope was still alive, and she was screaming in pain, and you could hear her. Of course, National Geographics and scientists and such, they're videoing it, and it's so exciting for them, right? And she is screaming in pain. It didn't stop the lion. It didn't move him to compassion. He ate her and ate her and devoured until there was nothing left of a memory of the antelope. You know, the enemy wastes no time on his prey. His effects of sifting us, you and I, are different than the antelope, are different than the mother that goes in and has an abortion. The sifting and the pain may be different, but the outcome is the same. Our children, they become rebellious. They stray from the Lord. They become defiant. And we ask, Lord, where are you? What about our marriages, infidelity, and abuse? And we ask, Lord, where are you? 
What about your finances? Bankruptcy, I lost my job. Lord, where are you? What about our health? Lord, cancer was the diagnosis. Diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart attacks. Lord, where are you? So how do we feel when these upsets come? And we feel like we're being sifted. And the furious, violent attack is shaking us. Because the objective is to dislodge our faith from us. In many occasions, our faith, what? It dwindles. At least mine has. And fear and hopelessness cuts in. And this is what the enemy says. Your children are destined to fail. There is no hope. And they will not serve that God of yours. You're a liar, Satan. For the rest of their lives, until you call them home, they will serve you. Your marriage, it's a wreck. And divorce is the only thing that can set you free. You're a liar, Satan. My marriage is grounded on the great I am, and this too will pass. Our finances are ruined. Your house is in foreclosure. There's poverty. You are a liar, Satan, because he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And the illness, well, that will consume you and you will die. And I love today's uh, praise and worship. I will live and not die. Hallelujah. In many of our lives, how many of us can say, Mrs. Martinez, this is true of me. I felt this. Or, or maybe I'm feeling this. I'm being sifted right now. I'm scared. I'm in a moment of my life where everything is being shaken. Is he even there? With violence and fury, a lot of the girls that I work with, church, a lot of them, they've been assaulted. Everything from them has been stripped and separated, either through a rape, a molestation, or something that has occurred. With fury and hatred, they've been beaten and they've been bent and they've been neglected at the very hands sometimes of the people that were supposed to love them. With anger and disdain, they've been mistreated and discounted, hallelujah. And their suffering has lasted a very long time. A Bible commentator wrote this, The enemy wants to sift us as wheat, not to separate the shaft from the wheat, but to make them look all like shaft by covering the wheat of grace with the shaft of sin and corruption. When we say his grace is sufficient for me, the enemy says it's not. Now you and I can come against those assaults as the church folk, as the ones that were raised in this. What about a young lady that has never even heard his name in America? And I have many of those. Where do you find yourself this morning? Do you find yourself in any of these categories? Are you saying, oh, I've been sifted all week? I've been sifted all month. I've been sifted for so many years. And it's like, where is the hope and where is the glory? You know, in the violent, furious assaults of the enemy, I have found myself. I have found myself. I was raised in the church, a believer, a minister of the gospel, but I found myself. Because you know the enemy doesn't make exceptions. He will come in and he will attempt to destroy the preacher, the singer, or just the layman that sits there and cleans the church. About six years ago, my husband, I told you he was active duty, he just retired in November. His helicopter was hit in Afghanistan. And he took on small arms fire. And as a result, his helicopter crash landed. He didn't have his Cavalier on. And that's the hard hat that the Army Special Forces guys wear. <clears throat> the infantry guys when they're out in battle. Chuck has 12 deployments in 10 years. So he was gone a lot. He was gone a lot. But God was not. Hallelujah. 
His injuries that were sustained, he sustained a traumatic brain injury. Sort of like when an NFL player plays and you hear the cracking. He also sustained a very severe back injury. As a result, that's why we're here. We lived in North Carolina and now we're here in Bethesda getting the treatment out of Walter Reed, which has been phenomenal, praise God. And in February, it'll make five years that the Lord saw fit to change our lives around, and that's okay. As a result, he also has something called post-traumatic stress disorder, and they call it PTSD. And PTSD occurs when you see something over and over and over again. It's not normal, and you become traumatized. And so now you have to deprogram when you come back into the United States. And I started hearing, church, this roaring in my home. And every time Chuck would come back from a deployment, I started hearing the roaring getting a little louder and a little louder. Things started just feeling different. Now, I know him better than the Army does because I married him before he joined the Army. See, he was my high school sweetheart and my college sweetheart. So I started seeing things that were very different. And you know, church, I, I started becoming very scared. How many of us would see a lion and just pet him and say, good kitty, good kitty? You and I would be very frightened. We would be scared, especially if it's at night and you hear this roar and you don't see where it's coming from, right? I started becoming very, very frightened at the things that I was seeing because they weren't parallel to what I was accustomed to. And I started hearing the lies of the enemy. I will sift you as wheat. I will dislodge your faith from you. I will take everything away and you will have nothing. And for a moment in time, church, I believed it because I was so scared. I was so frightened. Have you ever been there where you know the truth of the gospel, but sometimes it's really hard? His attitude was changing. I know the medical piece was changing, but the other side was taking control. And in my home, I would hear the roar all day, every day. In the lives of my children, they felt it. They did. A military family struggles. It's not just a soldier. Everybody feels it. My children began to feel it. My home began to feel it. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried. That's why I love Psalms 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but my joy, it came in the morning. Hallelujah. When I cried out to the great I am, and I said, Lord, don't allow the enemy to sift me and take my marriage. Don't allow the enemy to take my children, Jesus. I love you and I've served you. Why? See, but that's us having Jesus. That's us knowing who he is. But what about a teenage little girl that doesn't know how to go to that fountain and extract? I'm a grown woman. I was raised in the church. And yet I felt very, very alone and scared. I share this to you, with you today because it's important for you to know that our God is not only sovereign, but our God is the only absolute that we have. You see, the world would tell us that there's uh, multiple controllers of the universe, right? And the enemy would come after what I just told you and say, well, he controls and he does this. But I'm here to tell you that even in my story and even in what our girls have suffered, there is only one true God. And now the second part of the verse becomes real. So we cry at night, hallelujah. But now is where the joy comes in the morning. You see, I want you to look at verse 
The second verse that I read, hallelujah, 32. When it says, but Peter, but Peter, I have prayed for you. But Peter, I have prayed for you. You see, the Lord told him, the enemy has asked to sift you. Okay, so we've gone through the sifting and we're all going to go through something, church. And if you're going through it right now, don't stress because we're going to pray together. But then all of a sudden the Lord comes and concludes this and says, Peter, don't stress. Because you see, Peter, I have prayed for you. So I went again as a teacher and I scrutinized that word pray. And in the Latin, that word means choraje. And the definition of that word, church, chorache, means to pray with arms extended. Catch this now, church. To pray with arms extended. Yes, ma'am. To pray with arms extended. You see, in verse 22, he was just giving him a prelude when he was talking to him. He was just prefacing what was going to happen. This is going to happen, Peter. But hold on, because in the same chapter, towards the end of that chapter, they take him. He goes into Hetsemane. In chapter 23, they pin him to a cross. Oh, he was telling Peter was this. He's asked to do this to you, Peter. But I'm going to show you today what I'm going to do for you tomorrow in verse 23. Today I'm telling you that I have prayed. I have chobaje. I have extended my arms and I have prayed. You see, even in my desperation, Jesus prayed for me. Even in your desperation, Jesus prays for you. Sometimes we want people to pray for us, and it is a biblical truth. Gather the brethren, call the elderly, lay hands, anoint with oil, praise God. But that does not preclude the original message, which was, I, Jesus, have prayed for you so that your faith may not fail you. Hallelujah. Do you understand that when he prayed for me, he didn't do it with words. He didn't. Verse 23, he said, I pray for you in verse 22. But verse 23, he actually depicted it on the cross. The verb means to pray with arms extended. Church, he didn't pray like this. He prayed like this. Because at verse 23, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. A young woman that has an abortion lives with such guilt. And I don't know what that feels like. Hallelujah. But my heart goes out to the ones that are not healed and still live in condemnation, even within the church. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You do not need to be condemned. And if under the sound of my voice you're sitting here, nobody else needs to know. Satan is a liar, and you are free. For he that is free, and he who he has set free, the Son, is free indeed. Hallelujah. Whatever situation you find yourself in right now, this moment, I want you to close your eyes and picture him praying for your situation. I want you to picture this right now. If you can come with me and if you can just play something very soft, our musicians, hallelujah. I want you to know that he is praying with arms extended still. 
I want you to know that he is praying still with arms extended. I want you to know that his arm has not been shortened just because it's 2017 and the world says what it says. I want you to know that the same God that looked in that little town of Bethlehem, that little church in Kingsway, in the back of no man's land by 95 where nobody knows it's there, he knows that it's there. Do not discount who you are and what you are capable of doing and changing your community. Whatever situation you're going through right now, he has prayed for you. He is praying for you still. Do you know in my moment of desperation when nobody else prayed? Because nobody else, I couldn't go to people and really tell them what was going on at home. Sometimes you find yourself there because you're up here and you don't want for anybody else to know. You know what I love about pastors? Because I have the most amazing pastor and pastor's wife. I ran. And they knew that there was something wrong, but they would never ask. They were so gentle in their approach. When we moved here, they came all the way from North Carolina to make sure that we were situated and that we were fine. Oh, and how they love my children. That's a pastor's heart. It's amazing. Jesus is a pastor because he's the shepherd of shepherds. And if a man can love us that much and take care of us and come alongside how much more the one that created you and knows what you're going through because we could all pretend and you don't have to tell the pastor but Jesus knows and if you feel like nobody prays leave here this morning encouraged that Jesus prays every morning he prays for you so that now you're strengthened and then he tells Peter and you know what Peter when you turn back when you go back to them, when you're no longer the pray, P-E-R-Y, instead you are pray, P-A-R-Y, you're going to strengthen the rest of them. So sometimes, yes, church, we're going to have to go through certain things in our lives, and there's going to have to be changes, and I wish everything was just perfect, but it's not that way. First Peter 4, 12 and 13, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trials that you are suffering today that you'll suffer tomorrow, or that maybe you've suffered in the past, as though something strange is happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Jesus, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. It hurts, it hurts when it's occurring. It stings. The results are part of the process. First, Peter was prayed upon, but then Jesus prayed for Peter. There's a difference in that. Four letters, P-E-R-E-Y, you're the pray, P-R-A-Y, you've been prayed for. Oh, there's a difference, church, hallelujah. If you would ask me six years ago, would I be here? If you would ask me six years ago, would I have come to yesterday's conference? If you were to ask me six years ago, if my mind would be saying, the answer would have been no, because I was preyed upon. Furiously, I was shaken, dislodged, sifted. But if you ask me today, I was prayed for. I was prayed for. He prayed for me. Jesus prayed for me. Yes, hallelujah. Jesus prayed for me. This morning, Jesus prays for you. And this is my prayer as a church. 
that you will pray for the young girls at Falcon. You will pray for the little girls at Royal Home Ministries. My youngest mommy is 13 years old. She's 13 years old. She came to me with her baby, and he was three days old. So she came right from the hospital to Royal Home. Today, she's 14 years old. The baby is seven months old. She's in the ninth grade. She's excelling in school. She accepted Jesus. She was baptized in water, and she's living for the Lord. She was prayed upon, P-E-R-E-Y. But today, she's prayed for, P-R-A-Y. And now, the enemy cannot touch her. Oh, he'll attempt to, because the fiery darts will be thrown your way, but they will prosper. So I love what pastor said. We're not gonna give the enemy any, any acknowledgement. We're not gonna gloat over anything that he does. He's a defeated foe. But know your enemy, he is real. And he will pray upon you. But remember, Jesus prayed for you. Let's stand. Hallelujah. And we're just going to pray collectively as a church. And this doesn't have to hurt. But if you're being prayed upon by the enemy, I want to pray for you. Now Jesus prays for you. He did this morning for me. My case manager, Brittany, she texts me every morning and she says, praying for you. Oh, and by the way, Jesus prayed for you this morning. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I want you leaving here encouraged that Jesus prays for you. You know that he intercedes to the Father on my behalf? The Holy Spirit is constantly, constantly, she's mine, she's mine, she's mine. You're not alone. Even sometimes, though, you can feel as if you are. But if you feel this morning that you are being prayed upon, P-R-E-Y, please allow us as a family to P-R-A-Y. We're going to pray. We're going to come against the forces of the enemy, and you're, you're going to be strengthened, hallelujah, in your faith, because that's our approach. Remember, he will pray upon you, but Jesus has prayed for you. Father, in Jesus' name, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice, Lord, that is being, Father, right now, violently shaken, sifted like wheat, Lord, bent, Lord, like the shafts, God, so that their faith can dislodge, Lord God, so that they can leave you, Lord, so that they can curse your name because that's what the enemy wants. Oh, Father, come in, Lord God, come in and stop it, Lord God, and give them, Lord, that assurance that you have prayed. And when you said that it was finished, Oh, you meant it, Messiah. When you said it is finished, oh, you meant it, Lord. For now, we have a sovereign, sovereign adversary that when the prosecutor of our soul comes to condemn, you come in to restore. I pray for this church and these precious pastors and those, Father God, that right now may be hurting. You know their name, Lord God. Pray for them, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray this. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.